Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wansley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. You know, my friend, somebody sent me um, the other day some YouTube videos of me doing the show 20 years ago. <laughs> I have to tell you, it blew my mind. I was like, I was on YouTube 20 years, I didn't even realize it, and so I watched them. And it's amazing, truly amazing, you know, the path that we've gone down, the distance we've traveled, and how dark my hair used to be. Those things <laughs> amaze me. And as I sit here today and go through this topic that we're going to work on today, it was interesting because someone sent me a, an article, or not actually an article, I guess it's an article, but it's something that they're financial advisor told them they wanted them to go through and it was it's a exercise in figuring out and I'm going to read it it says how much do you really need to save for retirement and it's from a company called Merrill and now I always thought that was Merrill Lynch but it just says Merrill and then it goes on a Bank of America company so I don't know if there was a guy named Merrill and a guy named Lynch and they broke up <laughs> shows you how much I know about these guys, which I think is really ridiculous because it doesn't matter how much you know about these guys. The bottom line is that they're all just trying to sell you product, which is okay. If the product actually works, it's functional, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to have something to do with your money, right? And if you don't really know what to do with your money, if you've never been willing to go out and look at what money can do, then they're going to give you their perspective of how things really work. Right? Uh, it's always interesting, though, you go to see these guys and 
they're never retired. And you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. So like, to compare that to the mentors in my program, all the mentors in my program have already been retired 10 years. They're already multimillionaires. And they're just consulting because they like to teach. They like to give back. These guys are still trying to make a living, which means to me what? what? What am I saying there? The story behind the story is they haven't figured out how to become financially free. And yet they're teaching you how to become financially free. Now, the individual that sent me this wanted me to go through it, though, and say, look, I know you don't agree with these guys, but can you go through their material and help me understand what I can tell my wife? Because <laughs> his wife goes, real estate, yeah, get out of here, right? You do something better than our financial planner. God, eh, you're an idiot. I know I'm, I've lived with you for 10 years. And by the way, that's that's the way this stuff happens is that one spouse is out there trying to get ahead and the other one is out there watching them make mistakes and so they deem them an idiot. Even though in reality they're just out there learning, the other spouse has already picked them out as being stupid and or incompetent. And so when they finally do latch on to something that actually works, they go, wow, you know, I've done all these other things that didn't work. This one really makes sense. Then the spouse goes, uh-huh, sure. Ah, seen it, done it, been there the whole bit, right? I know you understand what I'm saying. You're out there. If you're married, you you know that something in your life that one of the two of you look at the other person and go, you have no idea how to deal with this. I know my wife thinks I'm a complete idiot when it comes to electronics, and that is because I am. Why? Because I don't care about electronics. She lives for it. So in our family, she's constantly giving me crap about my ignorance of electronics, and I'm constantly giving her crap about the fact she wants more of it, and more of it, and more of it, and more of it. And that's, see, the same thing with your spouse right now. If you're out there trying to figure out how to become financially free, they're going, get off of your financially free BS and just go back to work and make some money. Just like I tell my wife, get off of your quadro electronic super control uh, internet Wi-Fi videoized control of every button in our house and just let it go back to where I can turn the TV on by pushing a button, which I can't now, by the way. You have to be able to turn like 15 buttons on and go through a controller and do all kinds of weird stuff. They've actually made it harder. It's funny how electronics does that. I remember when computers first came out and I was using DOS and I had what go through all the exercise of learning DOS. And then all of a sudden they came out with Windows 1 and you had to learn a whole new way of thinking about and seeing a computer. And they said it was intuitive. There's nothing intuitive about Windows 1. And by the way, it didn't work. Uh, and then they came out with the fix called Windows 2. Windows 2 worked a lot better, but again, they changed everything. When they came out with Windows 3, they completely changed everything to where even if you understood how to use Windows 2, you couldn't use Windows 3 because everything was black is now white. Everything was up on the top of the screen is now on the bottom of the screen and the side of the screen. And that's what electronics does. That's how they sell you electronics. Well, it's kind of the same thing with financial planners. They inundate you with financial reports that mean absolutely nothing. And quarterly reports and, and, and semi-annual reports and annual reports. And you read just pages of garbage and gobbledygook. And none of it means anything. Because not one bit of it puts more money in your pocket. Right? But again, somebody wanted me to go through this. So this is the Merrill and uh, 
statement of how much money do you need to save for retirement. Starts out with key points. Number one, how much do you need to save for retirement is unique to your situation. What may be right for you will depend on your required expenses and income you expect to help overcome them. God, can you say less with more words than that? What they're saying is we don't know. We have no idea how much money you need. It's dependent on you. Now, is that a true statement? It is a 100% true statement. Nobody knows how much money you need to retire because of a couple of different points. Let me go down the ones that I can think of just off the top of my head. Number one, when are you going to retire? Number two, at what level of expectancy are you going to retire at? And number three, which is even more important than anything they even said, is you're not going to want to live at the same expectancy the rest of your life. So when I retired, I didn't have very much money. And the variable in their equation, which we're going to get to later, is what can you do with that money? I did a lot with a little money, and I had a very low expectation of what I needed because I wasn't replacing a very large income. So it was pretty easy for me to retire. Two and a half years after I started investing in real estate, at 34 years of age, I retired. Okay? Never look back. But what the question there and their statement there doesn't relate to at all is that when I retired, I, re- I replaced $40,000 worth of earned income after tax. So in other words, I was making about seventy, but after you paid my income taxes, my Social Security, my Medicare, my 401k contribution, and my insurance payment, I was down to about $40,000 a year. So when I quit my job, all I had to have to survive was the forty grand that I was taking home. And I lived at the exact same level of expectation. But once I was freed up and didn't have to go to work 12 hours a day, six days a week, all of a sudden my mind and my body were free to look into things that I never had the time to look into, to study and research things that I never had the time to study and research. And so along, and lo and behold, and how it worked out, was that I found greater ways to make money, let's say easier ways to make money, uh, more effective, higher percentage rate of return ways to make money, so that even though I didn't have a job, I was able to take my proceeds. Remember, with the proceeds I had in life, I was still able to save some money. I was able to take the proceeds that I was saving before and turn that into new investments with much, much higher rates of return that allowed me to grow my income. Now, as I grew my income, I was smart enough not to grow my standard of living. And as I grew my income, I was able to grow my investments and hence continue to grow my income. And my income has grown every year. uh, If you just looked at a rolling average every year since I retired until now. So when we come back from the break, what we want to talk about then is what do these guys envision and how is it wrong and how can you fix that 
and get where you want to be. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're going over an article here by Merrill, uh, and it's basically how much do you really need for retirement. In amongst all this conversation, uh, I'm critiquing their ideas along with infusing my ideas uh, along with just going over the reality of what I found to be true over 30 years of retiring myself and helping other people retire. And so uh, we're at the point right now, we're on to the second point that they make. Uh, the first one was, uh, uh, well, um, the second one is important to have a comprehensive view of the sources of income you might draw from in your retirement. Well, here's the problem with that, guys. 99.9% of you, when you come to my seminar, I ask you to take all the passive income you earned last year and then add up all of the, the net worth that you have and divide your net worth into your passive income and you have, overall, all Americans have less than 1% return on their income. So when you get ready to retire, you go, everything I'm worth, if you took everything I have and put it to work, it's earning less than 1%. Now, Go out there and look at a savings account. A savings account right now at Wells Fargo probably pays you something like point zero three 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 five percent In other words, it's, I'm sorry, point zero zero three three. It's less than 1%. It's a third of 1% return on your money. Now, if you go out there and look you could have, five months ago, six months ago, got CDs at three and a half, four, five percent. Now, you can't get a CD more than probably one percent, two percent at the most, but you gotta go way out to get that. Um, way longer than you wanna lock your money up for. Typical savings accounts right now, when I was doing online savings accounts, I was finding I was getting up to two, two and a half percent return uh, for money just sitting around in accounts as your your overnight savings and your you're waiting till the next deal savings accounts, and those are now under across the board under one percent. And how serious is that? Well, I have at any one time no less than twenty five savings accounts. I just I have that much money that goes in and out of my life that I have to have places to put it. You don't want to have all your money sitting in one bank in case it blows up, right? <laughs> So it's 25 different accounts at 25 different banks, et cetera, et cetera. And 
all of those banks have dropped their interest rates under 1% again, whereas many of them were up to 2. 1.85, I think, was the average at one point. And so, you know, they're saying, where are you going to earn your money? Where are you going to earn your money? And I'm going to come back to those rates of return in a minute, but I want you to understand this, is that if someone owns some rental property, they typically have somewhere between a 2 and a 5% return on their net worth. You say, Dell, that's not that great. No, we're not talking about on that deal. We're talking about on their net worth. And so if you're earning less than 1%, let's say you're earning a half a percent, and you get up to 1%, you're 100% better off than if you're earning 1% and you go to 2%, you're 100% better off than where you are right now. So let's say you're at 1% and you go out and buy real estate, which earns you between, on a single-family house, 8 and 15% cash-on-cash return, and then another 25 to 30% a year capital gains, if done correctly. Uh, you're talking about 30 40% returns compared to 1%. Well, let's just say that you just got a cash flow return or you turned your net worth around. That's on the deal. Let's talk about your total net worth is turned around to 5%. Well, if you were earning one and now you're earning five, that's a 500% increase. But if I ask you right now, where could you go? Show me exactly how to go earn 8, 10, 12, 15, 30%. I'm sure most of you couldn't tell me. You couldn't outline it for me. You couldn't design it for me. You couldn't show me how to do it. Now, those of you who come to my classes have been made aware of it and how to do it. And many of you do it, and some of you still don't. You just won't pull the trigger. But the reality is you don't even know is 99% of you. You have no idea. So they're right. You need to understand the picture of how you're going to earn income, but most people just stick their head in the sand and go, I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to hand my money over to a financial planner. I'm going to stick my head in the sand with my butt up and hope the wind blows stuff my way. You know, that's all you can do because you have no idea what to do with your money. All right? You've got to learn. I did a radio show yesterday. I was telling you about all week I've been looking at what a moves to make in my portfolio because now we're coming to a what I believe midway point in this corona coronavirus problem, and I think that you're going to see um, more problems with it as we go forward before it's completely gone. How bad or how much I don't know, and so I'm trying to think just like you are. I'm positioning myself. What can I do? Because some of the things that I've done pre corona coronavirus. Um, are not very effective anymore. They're changing. And so I've got to move some stuff around and do some things to keep my portfolio providing the kind of income that I'm used to seeing it provide, right? And so I'm out there looking. The question is, it's not even a question. It's more of a statement. I bet most of you aren't. You're not looking at all. You spend zero time managing your net worth, managing your assets. And what this Merrill company is saying is you better start looking at it, right? That's what they're saying. Let's see what the third thing is. Oh, use our Merrill personal retirement calculator to check your progress versus your goal. Find out if there's a gap in where you need to be. Well, that's probably true without even using the calculator. It's pretty simple. 
but they do show it, and uh, we will cover it here in this show today because it is something that they've brought up, and uh, we will go through it and see if any of it makes sense. Um, here's the next statement. Retirement experts have offered various rules of thumb about how much you need to save. Somewhere near 1 million, some say. Others say 80 to 90% of your annual pre-retirement income. 12 times your pre-retirement salary. But what's right for you and how do you know if you're on track? Because there's so many variables, even the retirement researchers can't agree on the total dollar amount. Wow, that was some valuable advice, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my answer is completely different than what their answer is. Uh, but we'll go into their answer, and then I'll come back and pick it off and see what time it is. Yeah, we got enough time just to show you their answer, then we'll come back, and I'll give you an alternative solution. Um, they're saying basically that they can earn 4% return for your money. That's They say they can draw down whatever amount of money you give them for retirement, they can draw you down about 4%. Now... I've heard that used to be 4% and now it's really only three, but whatever, let's just say 4%. That's been the number for years they've used. So they're saying if you have $300,000 in savings, we can give you $12,000 a year. That means $1,000 a month. All right, now look at that comparatively. $300,000, I could go buy you with $25,000 down, uh, be 12 houses at $500 a month income each, that's $6,000 a month. They can earn you a thousand a month. I can earn you six thousand a month. Hmm. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month, featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Talk 1370. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time. Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about how much money does it take to retire, and we're following along with an article um, produced by a company called Merrill, a bank of American company. And we're at the part where they're talking about will your savings be enough for retirement income you'll need, and what they did was they basically said there's a generic answer for everybody, which is we can produce about a 4% return for you. And so on $300,000, we can produce you $12,000 a year income. On 100000 we can produce you, or I'm sorry, on a million dollars of money, we can produce you $40,000 a year retirement. And on a $1,500,000, we can produce you $60,000 a year. Now let's talk about this. What if you can just take that and go from 4% to 8%, which is our bottom line, okay? I know right now of investments I can go out right now and get into real estate investments that pay seven and a half to eight percent return guaranteed and as the only way they would not be guaranteed is the company behind the deal fell apart went bankrupt but most of these companies are giant corporate deals and then you go from there into other types of syndications that pay anywhere from eight to fifteen percent um, 
So you have even higher opportunities. Then you've got your own independent ownership of real estate, which can do anything from go anywhere from probably 10 to 30% returns uh, by owning it yourself and having the maximum amount of leverage possible um, for yourself. So when you look at all these options, we, I'm just talking about starting at the bottom here. If you know you can go earn eight instead of four, why would you put your money with your financial planner? He's telling you he can give you 60 grand a year or telling you that you can earn 120 grand a year. His 60 grand a year is taxable. The 120 grand a year that you'd earn through real estate would be tax free or reality tax deferred, but if done correctly, tax deferred the rest of your life. So when you look at it generically, their answer is not very, very good. You wouldn't want to make that your approach to life. Right? So, um, Let's move on to the next point. The next point they make, I think, is even less relevant. And they say, okay, let's look at where you're at as far as your age and what you'll be spending money on. I don't know what the relevance of this is, um, but basically they're saying housing is going to be roughly the same your whole, whole age. Food is going to be roughly the same. Health is going to get more expensive as you get older. Clothing is going to be roughly the same. Transportation is roughly the same, although when you get really old, it goes down because you don't do much moving around. Entertainment goes down as you get older. And other is roughly the same. So I don't even know why they bothered to put this graph together. It doesn't really say anything. The bottom line is this. Who cares what you're going to spend your money on? The bottom line is there's a cost of living. And you've been living long enough to know what your cost of living is and whether you're willing to live at that or below that to not be able to or to not to have to work anymore uh, or if you want to earn more than that. And what I found to be true is that most people come to me under this thing under a couple different positions in life. One of them is, hey, man, I see my money's not doing anything. I don't see any way what I'm doing right now will ever get me to retirement. I want to change what I'm doing, okay? So we go to work, and the concept is in two to five years from now, you're going to be in a position where you could retire if you wanted to, or you could continue to work knowing you're earning as much in your passive income as you are as your earned income, in which case most people say, okay, I'm just going to live off my earned income and put all my money back into my investments, let them grow exponentially from that point on until I'm making way more that way. Other people come to me and retirement is the plan. I got to get out. I hate my job. I'm at the age. I physically can't do it. And we're looking for cash flow right now. And I've got a couple different deals I was looking at yesterday for myself, the day before that, where I was looking at, okay, I can get guaranteed income for 15 years, or I can get really high income for a short period of time because of the way the deal is structured, the guarantee. And by the way, you continue to make money, but the point I make is the financing was set up where you would make a lot of money right up front. Um, but then that particular financing would change and your position would change, right? Um, as opposed to something that had a long-term specificity where you're not going to make as much right now, but you're going to make it for a much longer period of time because the loan's going to go for a very long time. And you're going to have a long earning uh, position in that particular investment. So you look at those and you decide where you're at. For me, it's very interesting because I'm of the age where... At 64, no man in my life other than one uncle lived past 65 
and he's 82, so he's an anomaly. But everybody else died by 65, 66, 67, all in those areas. And I've always lived my life like I wouldn't live past 65. So I'm at 64 years of age. And I'm thinking, dang, why don't I just go for all the really high, high income stuff and just, you know, who cares? I'm not going to live that much longer. And then I go, okay, but I got a wife and, you know, I got to support my wife. So maybe I should sit, stick to the long term since I'm already well enough off as it is. Maybe instead of trying to increase my income, I should just try to level my income and go for a long period of time with deals that are solid into the future, right? Uh, those are the kinds of things you got to sit down and talk with your spouse about and discuss in your mind. But those options are out there, and they're all viable options. Not all. They're both viable options, right? You have to decide it. But understanding how much money you need to live is irrelevant. By the way, you don't even know what costs will do in the future. You need to know you have income. And you need to know you have income that's guaranteed into the future, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we're going to the next part of this thing here. And... Um, it starts talking about working. Oh, wait, actually, before that, talks about something I thought was interesting. It talks about where your retirement income is going to come from. And they've got uh, Social Security being 30% of your retirement income. And uh, employment income is 34% of your retirement income. Now, here's what they're saying. This is what Merrill's saying. You can look forward to 33% of your retirement income coming from Social Security. You can expect that you're going to still do some part-time work or side jobs or continue to work, and that's going to be 34% of your retirement income. Only 9% of your investments, of your retirement money is going to come from investments, and 20% is going to come from liquidating down your retirement accounts like your 401ks, your 403bs, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you understand you're not earning money with that 401 or 3B or whatever it is, you're just, you've, par you've parked money there and now you're sucking the money out of it. And eventually that money's gone, right? So then they go on with the argument of working in retirement as an expectation or a reality. And um, they're basically saying what happens is most people expect, and they came up with the number 79%, of respondents plan to work in retirement. 79% plan to work in retirement. Can you even imagine that? Now, you can say, well, what does that really mean? And I can say, well, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, why do you say that, Dell? Say, because at 34 years of age, I was retired. I had nothing to do except take care of my portfolio. And here I am now at 64 years of age and I have nothing to do except take care of my portfolio. Do a couple radio shows a week. You know, and that's it. So am I working in retirement? Absolutely, I'm working in retirement. So does it mean you'll never work in retirement? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is you won't have to get up and go to a job. You know, there will be something that you'll find to do that's worthwhile. Like my mentors are mentoring. They get paid to do it, but it's not a job. They don't get up and go to work. There's no office hours. There's no boss telling them what to do. They're a part of a co-op of people that have agreed that we're going to help other people. But it's still working to some degree, right? So when they say 79% of people intend to work, that's probably pretty accurate. The problem is if you're one of those 79% who have to keep a job, 
Can you imagine losing stockbroker's job or something? So some really good job because you're you're now old and now you have to go stand at Walmart and hand out flyers as people walk through the door. I'm not putting those people down. I'm just saying I wouldn't want to do that. I see older gentlemen working hard. I mean, I see them coming in as being plumbers, electricians, roofers, landscapers. And I'm going, man, I couldn't do what you do. Physically, I don't have that kind of endurance and strength anymore. And so you ask yourself, what are you going to be willing to do? And the question is, or the answer is, you better have enough income coming in without working so that working is an optional and beneficial addition. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we've been discussing an article here. Uh, it's called How Much Money Do You Really Need for Retirement uh, by a company called Merrill. And I don't know if there's Merrill Lynch or just Merrill. It says it's owned by uh, Bank of America or something like that. Uh, we're to the last part of the article right now where it's trying to give you a realistic um, ability to challenge where you're at compared to what they think you should be at or where they think you should be at. And the basic concept is they've got five circles here, a little larger, a little larger, a little larger, and they're saying from ages 18 to 29, you need seven-tenths of your salary saved up. From ages 30 to 39, you need 1.3 times your salary. Ages 40 to 49, you need 2.8 times your salary. From ages 4.9, I'm sorry, ages 50 to 59, you need 4.9. And from ages 60 and up, you need 7.4 times your salary. So I just ran one on my age, the 60-year-plus person, and said, okay, if I made $100,000 a year for me to retire, I need 7.4 times that, which would be $740,000. But then I went a step further than what they talked about in their article, and I said, okay, so if I had $740,000 and you said I could only, own for, for, only earn 4%, then that would mean you'd produce that income would produce that amount of savings. Excuse me, would produce twenty nine thousand six hundred dollars in earned income. And I thought about it. I'm going to go from a hundred thousand dollars a year of earned income and drop down to thirty thousand dollars one third. That's enough. Now I guess that what they're thinking is is that one third more will be Social Security, right? That you'll probably earn another three thousand dollars a month in Social Security or something like that, and that's where you're going to make up the difference and then be living at about $60,000, $65,000 a year. That must be their belief system. Okay. So let's take a look at it differently. Let's say I could earn 8%, right? So let's get out the trusty phone calculator, the nemesis of all radio shows, that which you cannot see and takes time to use. Uh, let's talk about $740,000. Heck, I could have done that in my head now. Uh, times 8%. Uh, it'd be sixty thousand, fifty-nine two hundred. So about sixty thousand dollars. Then if you add uh, thirty-three thousand to it for your thirty-five, whatever, no, thirty-something thousand for Social Security, you're going to be close to ninety thousand dollars a year, and then you're close to the back to that hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, so that 
kind of makes sense, right? Now, what doesn't make sense to me is how do you, well, I guess what they're saying here is that if you're up to 4.9 by age 50 to 59, you'll be in position to be able to save up to 7.4 by the time you're age 60 or 64. So um, that argument, I don't know if it really holds water, but I don't have anything that is really contraintuitive to that type of an argument that if, okay, if I at least have this much saved up by this age, then it'd be, you know, I hit, need to hit these little goals along the way age-wise to be able to get to the 7.4. What I don't like about the whole structure, though, where this whole thing takes you, is that you're planning since age 18 to retire at age 65 and still only make $30,000 a year. It doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't. Because you can go out at 29 years of age. I think I was, 20, let's see, two and a half years after I started. I was retired at 34, so back that out. That'd be 32, 31. So at 31 years of age, I started investing. I bought one house, and then I bought three more the next month. So I had eight houses. They paid me $220 a month. That's $880 a month positive cash flow. Then I bought 10 more as a group. And that paid me $2,000 a month. So I had $2,800 a month in positive cash flow. Right? So within just about, you know, six months at the most, I had... It really is more than that. I just can't remember exactly what I bought, and I don't want to overstate stuff. But $2,800 times 12 is $33,600 a year. So within just six months, we'll say, I had purchased enough real estate in my early 30s to have the same amount of income I would have if I would have worked until I was 64 years old and saved my entire life. Yet I never saved up the $740,000. That wasn't how I got there. I got there by going for the income, not going for the cash. Whew. At 34 years of age, when I retired, I did nothing but real estate investing the rest of my life. And, of course, I figured some things out. That I wanted to produce businesses that produced income that I didn't work in. So one of the things I saw right away was, is that as I'm out here buying and selling these houses all the time and helping other people buy and sell houses, I go, you know what? These guys standing on the sideline, you know, doing tiddlywinks and making large amounts of money with every transaction while we do nothing, and we call those people real estate agents, uh, we're basically useless in this situation. I said, now, I had one or two agents that were really good, and they found me lots of good deals, and they helped me, you know, buy stuff. I said, but I had no reason to pay them three or $4,000 per house to help them help me do that because I was putting all the money up, taking all the risk. So I came to the conclusion I needed to own a real estate company, and I found a way to incorporate, get a broker, and own my own real estate company. At that point, as I helped hundreds of other people buy and sell real estate deals, I got a piece of every deal through the brokerage firm. I didn't. I don't have a broker's license, but my broker did, and my agents did, and then that company produced a profit, and that profit was my profit. So I like that so much, I purchased four more of these. I started four more of these. Now I have Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and, well, actually the five. Now there's Phoenix. So we, we do real estate out of five different cities, which encompass pretty much all of Texas, uh, a good portion of Phoenix, right? And uh, 
so all of that is cash flow. That's all passive income because I don't work in these locations. Then I got in, decided that if you know I'm doing all this spreadsheet work and all this accounting, all this looking up a software, I should own a software company. So I had a friend who was a software promoter or a producer. He came up with the program, showed it to me, and I go, let's do it. We put that, and now I have software companies. So all of these companies, I don't do anything in them, so they're all passive income. And the point I'm making to you is, Think about where you can earn your income from, set it up, and then retire. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 